Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We are in Psalm 89. Boy, are we ever. And it is the third longest psalm in the entire book of Psalms. Yeah, and a a credit to all of the Text Talk people who join us for these conversations, because as you pointed out yesterday, we're actually talking through two of the longest psalms in this season. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) If the Lord wills. We will get to the first longest psalm uh, probably in two years. In a couple of years, yeah. Because we, <laughs> we'll probably do some New Testament. Probably need to do some New Testament. <laughs> That's Between right. here and there. That's right. But, uh, but we're in Psalm 89, and I really think you should probably just go ahead and jump into reading it. How about I jump into reading it? So I got Psalm 89. I'm going to read from the New King James Version today. A contemplation of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who is in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world in all its fullness, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon, rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One, and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name his horn shall be exalted. Also I will set his hand over the sea, and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, 
If they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. But you have cast off and abhorred. You have been furious with your anointed. You have renounced the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. You have broken down all his hedges. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by the way plunder him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of the sword. You have not sustained him in the battle. You have made his glory cease and cast down his throne to the ground. The days of his youth you have shortened. You have covered him with shame. How long, Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created the children of man? What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Lord, where are your former loving kindnesses, which you swore to David in your truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. So that's this is the psalm that that comes from. I that guess first, so. That the first, first couple of verses. That first verse is where yeah. that song comes from. And that is a happy song. That is a happy song that actually just, when you just sing that song, you have no idea what the psalm it comes from is really about. Well, that's kind of like when we sing as the deer, huh? Yes, it is. It's very much <laughs> very like much when like we that. sing as the deer. The but but honestly, it's the ending of this psalm that makes that so amazing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, this this psalmist writing this is in a time where he's like, I don't think the mercies are are coming. I don't think the Lord is keeping His steadfast love yes. right now. I'm very confused. I don't understand what's going on. But right here at the beginning, what does he say? I am going to sing of those mercies. I'm going to sing of that faithfulness. I'm going to th- sing of that loyal, steadfast love forever, no matter what I'm experiencing. So what I'm seeing here in this psalm is that it, it's almost layers, okay? that the, the first section is this layer declaring the greatness of God and his power and his strength, and that a promise is made to David and his anointed and his seed. Then the second layer is a lot of these things, same things that were said about God, are now being said about the anointed one that are going to follow after him. And then the third layer is the juxtaposition. The third section is, okay, God, you're this way. Okay, your anointed is this way. But now when I look at these descendants, uh, where are you, God? These bad things have happened. Yeah, it, you said you were not going to leave your steadfast love. Mm-hmm. You said it would last forever. You said yeah. no matter what the kids did, you were going to be, you were going <laughs> the kids. to, the kids, the, the children, the seed, <laughs> no matter what they did, you were not going to remove that steadfast love. Uh, but, but here it is, here it is. Um, you have cast us off and you rejected your anointed. You've mm-hmm. renounced the covenant with your servant. So you said you were going to keep this covenant with your anointed. You said you would never abandon it. You said you wouldn't remove it yet. That's exactly what you've done. So that's really something to think because I, we just always kind of, it's just axiomatic. 
God does not lie. He always keeps his covenant. So we ask the question, how do we deal with this when, when bad things happen? Here's, yeah. here's something very wrong going. And I will just point this out. Most people, as they read this, believe we are talking about the time of the Babylonian captivity. You're talking about the scholars, the commentators, so forth? I'm talking about most people that I've talked to or read about it. So whether scholars or anyone, most people seem to believe that this is about... <laughs> I wouldn't say the people I talk to are scholars, Andrew. <laughs> but it is their hot take. <laughs> Well, the normal take is that, oh, this is Babylonian. This is Babylonian captivity. And certainly, as we have read through this third book of Psalms, the couple of cycles of Asaphat Asaphat Psalms, the the cycle of Korahite Psalms. Spelled with a P-H. Asaph. I know. So uh, the, the Korahite Psalms. Those psalms are all clearly going through story, going through story arcs that get us to the captivity. Yeah. Yes. Whatever the original psalms, whatever their original context, you you certainly see walking through these cycles again and again, getting to that place where the temple is destroyed, getting to that place mm-hmm. where the city is destroyed, all of that happening when Babylon comes in. I will admit to you that there's a part of me looking at this psalm itself, especially since it's attributed to Ethan the Ezraite. Right that wonders, are we jumping the gun a little bit on that? This may be a psalm from the Absalom Rebellion mm. in its original context. Yeah, David has received a covenant, and yet for some reason now he's being driven out of town, and, and Absalom is plundering it. And yeah. I get it, it's a bit extreme for that, but that's kind of how psalms work. Well, and it, you know, to your point there, it would fit that time chronologically so well because, because here's this promise made to David, and he he can't even get his next son on the throne before this <laughs> before happens. this happens yeah. before this rebellion. I, I mean, I could see this psalm being written in that time. I mean, if yeah. it was written during the time of the Babylonian captivity, I, I'm not going to have a problem with that. Probably that means it's more like of the school of Ethan, just right. like some of those Asaphite psalms were of the school of Asaph. I, I'm fine with that. But, uh, but there's a part of me that says maybe it is during Absalom's reign. Either way, it's at a time when God has given this promise, and it looks like he has reneged on the promise. And it's known. The promise is known. This covenant is known that it's been made today. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, so we yesterday, the question was, as some people say, well, if, if the promise isn't being fulfilled, if bad things are happening, especially if they're happening to good people, mm-hmm. which, again, the psalm itself, there's some hints, but it doesn't give any explicit statement of sin. No. So we've got all these bad things happening and and not much reason given for it. And the question we often ask is, okay, well, why? Yesterday we pointed out, well, Ethan doesn't think it's because God's not strong enough. Mm-hmm. We saw that. If you look in verse 14, Psalm yeah. 89, verse 14, here's where he begins that verse. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mm-hmm. So his throne, and this is metonymy for his rule, his reign. It's a figure of speech. Uh, you know, you take something similar related, like you say, the pen is mightier than the sword. That's called metonymy. Wonderful. You say pen, and you're actually referring to writing. You say sword, and you're actually referring to battle and fighting and military might. So here, throne is a reference to God's rule and reign. He says, this is founded on the foundation of your sovereignty mm-hmm. is righteousness and justice. See, some people say that the reason bad things happen is because God is not good enough to deal with it. He's not holy enough Mm. to deal with it. That's not Ethan's answer. In fact, that's what makes Ethan very confused. He is confused by this because 
because I know the foundation of your rule. Your yeah. rule and reign are based, Lord God, yes. on righteousness and justice, on holiness and goodness. Yeah. That's who you are. This stuff isn't happening because you're not good enough. It's not happening because you're not holy enough. God is holy enough. And how important it is to recognize that, that he is the source and the origin of what is good, what is holy, what is right. Where would we even get a sense that things are not right, that things are bad, if we don't have the standard of what is right? Okay, there has to be good first. And ultimately, that is a evidence for yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, certainly. There, there's no way in this argument, if you're going to say God's not there because if he's there, he's not good enough, mm-hmm. you, that's, that's a self-defeating argument mm-hmm. because you can only get good. You can only say that things are good and bad because that's a law. Mm-hmm. And you can only because have a have law an, uh, if you have a lawgiver. Right, yeah. So if there's no lawgiver, then you can't, well, you can't accuse anybody of not being good. Right. You just can't because yeah. there's no such thing. Yeah. No yep. such thing. But if there is a lawgiver, mm-hmm. all right, so, all right, maybe we can accuse God of being bad, all right? He's the lawgiver and he's bad, but Ethan says that's not it. That's not it. I know. You are holy enough. You are righteous enough. Your throne is based on righteousness and justice. So summing up a couple of conversations here, we've seen that bad things can happen to good people or God's people, uh, and it's not because God lacks strength. Yep. And it's not because God is evil or corrupted in some way himself. It is not. It is neither one of those things. And I'll tell you what, what that means is whatever's going on, and no matter how confused we are by it, and knowing that he is strong and holy, Mm -hmm. that's why it'll give us confusion when bad things are happening. But knowing that, what we can do is continue to sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Mm. And with our mouths, we can make known his faithfulness to all generations. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I hope we're we're grasping this week. So when we sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, that's not just like in the heaven and the by and by, but even going through these difficult and hard times forever means even right now. That's exactly right. All right. Lord God, thank you so much for this time we've had to talk about Psalm 89. And I pray that we will learn more about you, that we will be strengthened and convicted to continue to sing of your mercies and your faithfulness, to share it with others. Lord, there are times when we're confused. We ask that you would protect us and bring us through those times. We love you so much, Father, and we're thankful that we get to be your children. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.